0: Welcome to my good, bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is, but I figured out. Hi, hi, everyone. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> hey, it's my good, bad brain. Um, So, as the world continues to be wacky, to say the least, I think a lot of us are wondering what the fuck we're supposed to do or what's going to happen in this moment. Some of us aren't wondering. I mean... I don't know. I think a lot of us are wondering. I mean, what I was going to say is that some of us are wondering. Some people have the choice made for them. They have no other choices. We have no other choices. I saw this thing the other day that was like, you know, eight, nine hour lines outside of unemployment office. Um, I forget which state it said it was. And someone retweeted it saying like, you know, hey, the experience that people who have the ability to work from home take their job and keep doing it just from home. And the rest of America is really different right now. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about how crazy it is that everybody's reopening just this incredibly risky time. And that so many people, 40 million Americans, something like that, are, are filed for unemployment now. That uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe the government will fill in the gap. Maybe they'll extend benefits. Maybe they'll keep keep staving it off but based on the responses of police to things and the response of the conservative wing of the government the fascist government i mean they really are fascism i mean you know people don't like you don't you know i think some people maybe don't like that term well, i mean they must like that term because they think antifa anti-fascists are bad guys but just means ultra-nationalists you know ultra-nationalists who you know seem to glorify militarism and sort of blindly believe in their version of nation and there's always some kind of like supremacy tied into it usually white supremacy right anyway all this going on all this craziness some people i think a lot of people kind of have this option to try to like lay low and duck out of it you know what i mean to like not speak up i mean i could i'm white you know i'm male Sis, straight, it's pretty fucking sitting easy for me. I'm, uh, you know, in, a, in an okay situation financially, like just I'll be okay, you know? So I think a lot of people like that, you know, we could just sit it out or, you know, figure out which way the wind's gonna blow, kind of do the both sides ism thing. It's talking to my brother. He's got some friends, you know, who are really into doing the both sides thing. And it's like, fuck, why? Just because you're afraid of making somebody mad at you? You know? I don't know. I really... Um, I don't know. I don't think... Uh, I don't think any of us are free until we're all free. I just don't... I don't know. And I don't know how we could live in a world where we're okay just being okay when other people aren't okay. Uh. Anyway, so part of the anxiety that went into the conversation in this episode has to do with uh increasing violence around the country, you know. And not just uh police violence obviously and that sort of institutional violence, but you know the increase uh, there's lynchings happening all over the country that the authorities don't want to call that and um and that's scary. Uh and also the fact of the utility of violence seeming evident in the successive protests and the riots, frankly. That um, the message that the government has given people in need basically is: you know, we did peaceful protesting a long time. People did a lot of voting, they did a lot of, uh, you know, re- lobbying and requesting and making their voices heard. And the sort of people in power just said, oh, good job, you're making your voice heard and did nothing. And then, told them that peaceful protest is the only way. And then all these people did a little bit of disruption just in the form of protest, some property damage that I think is completely legitimate form of protest. And, oh, uh, well, what do you know? Things start changing. So what do you tell people? What happens when that happens? You tell them peaceful protesting is like the only way through? And it made me think, and then, you know... <laughs> Clearly, the violence that you guys use all the time on people to control people, that's, you know, obviously that's not nonviolent work. That seems to work for you. And all of a sudden you're listening when we do it. So you get into this tricky idea. When you're good people, you're disinclined towards any kind of violence. You're disinclined towards even in defense. You just don't like hurting people. Nobody likes hurting people. I mean,. nobody i know i don't know it's the worst i i've on record talking about how i'm attracted to violence i like doing violence i love sparring and fighting and video games and stuff i don't like hurting people there's a very intense distinction in my mind but i guess this this phrase always uh, echoes in my head about like the utility of violence and um this this notion of um You know, some very glib martial artsy thing they say I've heard is (laughs) uh, violence is never the answer, but when it is the answer, it's the only answer, you know, that um, there's this kind of like disingenuous thing in the powers that be telling you nonviolence is always the answer is no, you don't get anything done without, in that like they use it all the time and it seems like a way to kind of take away a tool of protection and empowerment from you, And this is uh, crazy-sounding rhetoric, maybe. But I think part of the reason it's important to think about these things is that not even in terms of physical violence, right? Just emotional, just conflict. People are so averse to it that it's scary to stand up for what you believe in. It's scary to disagree with people. The fear of any kind of disruption that could be described as violent, which even like disagreements emotionally, right? Uh, stop! They force people in, who are in positions of privilege to feel that they should do some with both sidesism. What you know? Uh, and on top of it, violence which is present every day and systemic is something that people don't recognize. The violence of private prisons, of uh, standard policing practices, which allow for so much, um. Uh, prerogative on the part of the individual officer that a culture of racism is all you need even if the policies written are quote-unquote fair you know which they're not but so i think that i guess i wanted to introduce this notion of talking about violence the utility of violence i guess and sort of getting because i think if you're a good person i don't think it's crazy to say if you're a good person you're a non-violent one if you're a good person you don't jump to violence as a first option to get your way you don't jump to disagreement or um violent my way or the highway type rhetoric and you certainly don't jump to physical violence ever you know um and there's a weird sort of dichotomy i think that being uncomfortable with it not facing it when it feels like time to increase you know accelerate your rhetoric or your energy or your um just that it becomes appropriate to escalate to a point of disagreement to stand up for yourself or somebody else, if you are unused to the fear feeling in your body, the adrenaline that you get, the the sort of uh, shakiness, the emotion that comes with those sort of violent, energized spaces, I think you can overreact and make situations worse than they should be. And that's not good either. You know, being able to hold on to your, your cool or whatever, hold on to your button. So I guess I wanted to talk about that stuff today. And there's a lot of discussion in here about that. Um, a lot of history that we learn whitewashes out any sort of active resistance. They want you to only think people just talked and marched and that was all that got things done. I just, I'm concerned about where things are going in this world. And to wrap it around to this sort of mental health sort of thing, I just want to say to all the people out there who have, because if you have a mental health issue, you are already an outsider, you're already somebody that the powers that be, the people who really need therapy and will never get it, they'll consider you a freak. They'll consider you weird. They'll consider you degenerate. Something about you. Just having empathy and sympathy makes you somebody that's not on the side of the powers that be, you know? And uh, the same way in pop psychology and popular culture related to mental health, we've done a good job of sort of all starting to learn that we're allowed to have boundaries. We're supposed to have boundaries. You know, the boundaries... Are it's sort of like that notion of like good fences make good neighbors. But like it's true. If you if you can prevent yourself from being entangled emotionally with people around you, you know where you start and they they take off. That kind of thing is is really important, right? To know like when somebody's mad at you, that it's not that you're the worst person in the world necessarily. Maybe they're just mad at you. You know, these kinds of things. And so you learn emotionally to guard yourself and stand up for yourself. And I just want to introduce this notion of engaging. I mean, we've talked about it before, but again, engaging with things that make you uncomfortable. In the same way, I think anybody would agree like, hey, you have to face your sexuality. You know, that's, you know, I think facing violence is important as well. It's part of being a mature adult and understanding that there are people out there who have no fear about using violence against you. And I think more often than not we see it as emotional violence and spiritual violence, you know, oppressive sort of energies. And just knowing you're allowed to stand up for yourself, that's hard for me. That's hard for me to do. always has been. But uh, I think I just want people who listen to this show, people who are sensitive people, caring people, loving people, they're also very vulnerable. And I want you to know that you are worth fighting for and people like you are worth fighting for people unlike you are worth fighting for and that thing again none of us are free until we're all free and none of us are free until we're all well until we're all taken care of until we're all like okay so there's a seat at the table for everyone so we talked about that today we talked about that the episode of notions of violence utility of violence familiarizing yourself with violence and i don't think it's necessarily for everyone sort of i'll use that sexuality uh, analogy again too you know if you are an asexual person no one would say oh you should face your sexuality. you should come up with this and invent it no some people are going to be naturally violent, probably pacifistic and that's good that's like not a bad quality to have I just want you all to be safe and i want you to know that you're worth fighting for and if it is fear that limits you from facing this or engaging with it learning about it strengthening yourself in the face of it Um, then I invite you to think about that and maybe work to overcome that. Learn the power in your own hands, and your heart, and don't be afraid of conflict. I'm not talking about picking fights. I'm just saying don't be afraid of conflict. Don't be stuck in the frozen zone of like, is this person attacking me? Is this person attacking me? And obviously in a physical sense, but also emotionally. Don't feel like you have to you know, I'll be apologetic about everything for standing up what you believe in. You know, politeness, politeness rhetoric really just ensures the status quo stays strong and present. And the status quo in our country is fucking bad. It's fucking bad for a lot of people, you know? Anyway, I adore you guys. Uh, these are just some of my thoughts today, which I will continue to share i guess i don't know i mean this is tied into a lot of things you know there was more uh we'll talk about it later yeah we'll talk about it later i was gonna say there's more it's this sort of thing of engaging with our animal parts and putting them in a healthy container anyway all right thanks guys i'm gonna let this thing roll it was a good talk we'll see you guys again sunday at 10 a.m if you want to join for the live stream youtube.com slash j sleeper
1: see ya It, it is ending in LA, huh? People are just fucking doing whatever now. They're
0: doing whatever. I mean, like, okay. So, hello, everyone. This is Good Bit Brain, as usual. And I'll just say up front, I'll probably say this in an intro when I do the little podcast this week. But, you know, last week, Dr. Nick and I were talking about... Oh, hey, Terry. What's up? Welcome, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I did, last week, um, Dr. Nick and I were talking about, you know... I. I, I've talked about it for a long time. I don't think you can talk about the mental health or whatever without talking about the material realities of the world and social issues or whatever. And we kept texting about it, and I was like, maybe we'll just change the name of the pod to, like, Social Workers Party and just get, like, expressively, like, uh, explicitly political all the time. Um, so we'll probably continue that trend. Um, I just think it's I, – I think it's – what's the word I'm looking for? I want to say, like, idle to, to, like – stick your head in the sand and be worried about like to only talk about like self-care in the sense of like with no effect with no i don't know the big the biggest thing i'm talking to you more consistently i said this last week the biggest thing talking to you dr nick more consistently and having somebody who i don't know i feel like you described me once like social work is like psychology applied to the real world dealing with systems and deal like dealing with a real positive effect like positive not good you know what i mean like um effective, you know, uh, techniques and methods dealing with an actual system of public funding. And, you know, how, how does that happen? Like, how do you not just, uh, like the opposite of somebody you pay 160 or 200 or $300 an hour to listen to your dreams on a couch. And they're like, I think it means this about your mom, like the opposite of the idea of what psychology is. And I think talking about that and this sort of material approach to saying like, uh, what are your values? What kind of person do you want to be? And then, are you figuring out steps to make yourself more that person from a mental health standpoint? Um, then kind of c- carries out into everything. And I just think, uh, any sort of like, I-, I don't know. I think I think there's truth to limit your exposure if it's becoming too much. If it, if it's making you ineffective. Uh, then yes, turn the news off for a little bit, figure out, like collect yourself, but the answer isn't, and then you're fine. Whoa, you turned it off and the problem's gone. Just don't, just keep doing that. That's not a solution. And, uh, and so that's never going to be our solution here. And so in that being said, in these times, yes, we're going to be much more explicitly just talking about political stuff more often and things like that. So, uh, I don't want to like, uh, uh, I just don't want anybody unprepared for that. <laughs> this isn't going to be like typical. Not that if you're around you already know that. So anyway, I don't know why I'm saying that for because we're going to keep being my good bad brain probably for the foreseeable future. I was like, I don't know. But I don't know. We're, we're just talking about it and this is going to be more the content often. That being said, this past week, um I did have a long talk yesterday with um Allie and with my brother and just about like things I was going through and I was I kind of realized that like we we're talking about the notion of, uh, you know, this thing they say better to be a gardener or better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. This idea of like, which is interesting because I always talked attached to it with martial arts and stuff in the past. I kind of make fun of self-defense type uh people who are like hardcore reality-based quote unquote self-defense people, because I'm like, you're, you're living with a terrorist every day. Like you are, you know, this, this sort of, you're bringing a thing into your life that's imaginary. I think it's uh, – the way I'm feeling about it is that – I know this is long-winded, but I'm just you – know, bear with me. That like the – the now some of that isn't imaginary. Like there is some, some reason that preparing yourself for like negative things out there and negative people might not be crazy. It might not be like imaginary and it might actually be like healthy for you in the long term to do things like that. But also I realized the way I was dealing with the anxiety and stress of how awful people are and things are and and how like, you know, ungrounded society's uh, feeling and and things that our government's doing and things like that um, response for like reactionary responses that are so unexpected, just, you know, defending violence and stuff. Um, Maybe a way I was dealing with the stress was by diving way too far in and too hyper focusing and like only making my life about this thing for you know and and like steps I can take to feel like I had a a handle on it and I like had this moment where I was like oh I'm deep in a I don't know if anxiety response is correct or you know something something that on the surface was looking like this is I'm fine (laughs) I'm fine and then we talked about it a little bit and I start like tearing up like immediately and I'm like I'm very worried I'm very afraid for everybody and I'm scared. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, I really am. And so I was like, I think uh, it's important to be honest with myself about like moderating that intensity, understanding it's a long game thing. And then also I'll say like just in some of the like preparations and like I think this idea of like boys and doomsday prepping stuff is like. Especially me and my stuff that I'm into and what, like it feels like it's gonna be fun. It's like a fun, silly, fun hobby. But like, as I was like doing some supply stuff with my brother, I was just like, "This is dark. I don't like that this is happening." I've, I've, Allie. I thought it would feel much better having my lovely liberal, you know, smart girlfriend tell me, "Wow, you were right about like certain." things that I was worried about in society or fascist Trump or whatever, you'd think it would feel better to be right, but it just feels dark and scary. And I don't like it. I don't like thinking about the realities of the systemic like violence that exists and that those, when that truth is being spoken to these powerful units, that they are their responses to lockdown and get more reactionary and more violent and defend it. And that just doesn't bode well for where things will go. And it just all felt very, yes, very but, dark and yeah. scary. It's not fun, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Anyway, I, I so I don't know. So I, was just, I thought I uh, maybe we could talk a little about that same old thing about like <clears throat> what's the appropriate level of um, sort of like self self carish kind of stuff. But then also you specifically, I feel good talking to because you've worked with veterans a lot, and you're also like I know your mindset around the things you do and and uh, martial arts and and, and like, Buddhism's kind of stuff. I guess I was uh, – about that notion of being um, a a, a warrior in a garden kind of thing. Like this morning I was talking about that with Allie again and with my brother, this idea of it. And she said, you know, doesn't that kind of like glorify violence though in a way that's weird? And I was like – "I under here's what I thought about it. This is what I said was I was like two things. One, I truly genuinely feel a lifetime of doing martial arts that gave me some – both competency with violence and, and more like comfort around it, but also um, an intense awareness of the consequences of it, that you don't know what anyone can do to you and you do know what you can do to some people and it just is not worth anything that when you are in these moments of conflict – you're a lot less inclined to accelerate because you're not unused to the discomfort. And so like, you just never get in fights. You just know how to deescalate because you like take it seriously. That's one. And then two. the other side of it for people who aren't inclined to like answer fight or flight with fights. That's what I'm saying is like it both. I think being aware of violence first makes you less inclined to obey the fight instinct of flight, fight, flight, freeze. But then also if you're somebody who's more inclined to flee or freeze, Or freeze rather, really. Flee, hopefully. Flee is fine. Just get the fuck out of there. But if you freeze, that also, I think, especially if you're in a a, a marginalized group of people or somebody who's like, you you know, often subject to oppression by the majority cis white male class, is like teaching you that you are worth fighting for is like a valuable lesson to feel a sense of protectiveness around yourself. You know, people will have it for other people easily, but I was like, that has value. And that, like, yes, like, cis white straight men don't probably need to learn as a as a class that I'm worth fighting for, <laughs> but – A lot of other people do i think women do i think minority people some you know times do it just do what i'm saying like that there are values so those are the two thoughts uh i I was interested in talking about this idea of a warrior in a garden and not letting it get away with from you where like now you are glorifying violence or you're just becoming obsessed with this dark concept but how like it can help prepare you and um and then i have another question later but i'll bring that up later
1: I mean, I think, so these are, you know, timely and interesting topics. I would, you know, I would say a couple of things. I think one is we as a culture are obsessed with violence. Yeah. I I personally am very interested in violence. I think, you know, kind of normative expression of of violence, the way violence is kind of understood uh, in society, the way that we kind of get, Really incoherent mixed messages about violence in our society i think that that kind of incoherent mixed messaging um is a smokescreen for what is just in reality an american obsession with violence i mean we just is it i yes, don't
0: certainly american but is he do you think it's just american like that that's not oh,
1: uh, look i mean look violence is a it's squarely in the repertoire of normal human behavior. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not as if violence is an aberrant phenomenon. It, it isn't. I mean, it, that's just... It's just empirically wrong to make a claim that somehow violence is aberrant. It's not, you know? I mean, we have like a social contract and within the rules of that social contract, we normalize and excuse some types of violence and other types are not normal. And all that stuff is like... Secondary, you know, I mean, the, mm-hmm. the primary drive to protect yourself and exert your will against a resisting other by forcing them, which is violence, that's just you know that's mammal behavior, right. you know. So it's, it's simply part of our repertoire of behavior, and we try to control that with our social rules, govern behavior. You know, that's just, I put it any more simply than that. So, well, of course, like all kind of. Violent responses there are some people who through their own innate biology and their social learning behavior have you know uh, a real predisposition to responding with violence and that's you know its own kind of complex set of circumstances and then there are other people who are just less likely to do that because of their innate tendencies and their social learning and their environment and all this stuff right? so i think you know that's what we have to understand first of all is that one, violence is one of the uh, within the normal repertoire of human behavior. Um, and two, that we do have, I think, I think, yes, America has more of a national obsession with violence than their countries. I, yeah. I do think that just I think culturally. You are right. I mean, look at, look at the media that we create and export. Right. We have a, we have a worship of violence. I mean, we just do, you know, um, no, yeah. so, I mean, just look at the red. Our kind of national rhetoric, and there, I think there are probably several academic studies you could uh, explore that would, you know, support this uh, claim that I'm making. I think it's pretty clear. I mean, you know, what's what is like one of the core characteristics of American international identity that we prize our pride ourselves on? Our superior military. I mean, if you ask, what, like, core American things are I, yeah. in three or four sentences somebody's going to talk about the military right? i mean right. it's just oh, you know i think that's part of it and then to your point about like um so given that is our kind of backdrop yeah. to the point about whether we focus too much on it I and mean, i think it's you know fantasizing about violence is empowering uh for some people for some so people. yeah for some people i think um fantasizing about violence to feel empowered and you feel drift and destabilized and worried, it's quite understandable, right? I mean, like, it feels like the world's going to shit. It feels like we can't trust our authority figures. It feels like there's a large group of people who just fundamentally misunderstands the reality in front of them, which is even more destabilizing. And that's scary, you know? And so what can we do to kind of make that feel less scary and take a little bit of control over the situation. Well, we can sort of prepare for and fantasize about what we would have to do. Mm-hmm. If it came to like, you know, right. mass social violence and that, that some people will feel empowering for people who have like a more of a comfort level with violence. It's going to feel more empowering. You know, for yes. people who are terrified of violence, it's going to feel get scarier. Yeah. I think those things are, th- those reactions are, and normal within this context. I mean, you know? I guess my my thought is like, how,
0: how do, okay. Like, I don't know. I, I feel, uh, I feel inside myself, I feel like this strange dichotomy of, I really have fun doing violent stuff and I hate hurting people. Like, Anytime someone gets hurt it's mortifying. Even doing jiu-jitsu against yeah. equal people who are if somebody if you're going hard dah, 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 and then and something goes wrong whether they slip or 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 they tap a little late you just feel miserable immediately. Like
1: how how come I feel that way and other people don't 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 have that. So well, this is the kind of key concept is consent, you know? sure. The key concept here I I think is consent. When you are engaged in consensual violence. Right. That is a different thing. That is an entirely different thing. Well, because certainly, certainly. But I said, uh, sorry, that, I didn't mean to yeah. interrupt
0: you. Please continue. Sorry, sorry.
1: I was going to say, because cons- it's the same with like sexual behavior, you know, you can do kind of weird, f- kinky shit. As long as it's consensual, it's okay. Yeah, you know? yeah. Truly consensual, not coercive. That's not real consent. I mean, right. real consent. So, when we engage in like kind of, you know, behaviors that are that tap into our deeper kind of mammalian, you know, island urges, and they're consensual, I think, you know, people who in my mind, I would call moral people can feel okay about that. That's yeah. why it's like, I can enjoy watching like UFC. I don't enjoy seeing someone get like beat up in a street fight. I right. don't enjoy that, yeah. you know, because it's not really consensual. So I think that's also that concept of consent is so critical. And I think we can apply it at a larger level too. for example, this epidemic of police violence. Yeah. Like it, when we live in a civilized society. Nobody should fucking put their hands on you exactly. without your consent. Right. Unless it's, in my view, to prevent immediate harm to someone else right. that can't be avoided in any other way, exactly. because the act of putting your hands on someone and controlling their behavior without their consent, such a violation of their personhood and their humanity that to me, it's the most serious thing you can do. Yes. So to do that without consent is unconscionable to me without an overriding directive, which is to protect other people involved in our social contract, which is why it is so enraging when you see like this guy who was shot in Atlanta There's no reason to put your hands on somebody who's fucking sleeping in his car. Yeah. There's no reason. On top of that to
0: shoot somebody as they run away from you when you're a police officer. For
1: for their ego, for their pride and ego. They're ashamed to have had their taser stolen and afraid to be tased, that they would rather murder someone, kill someone and take their life. As they're clearly leading
0: as they're clearly away, going away, like
1: de-escalating. Who's going to get tased? Who's going to get tased with his own taser? But you know what? If you are so shitty at retaining your taser and you're so scared to get tased with it that you'd rather kill somebody, you can't do that job. I mean, just point blank, you, you can't, you can't be effective job. in your job. So, but, but anyway, the point is, putting like police officers putting their hands on people right. who are not engaged in violence, such a violation of our basic human dignity that I don't believe they should ever do that, ever. Right. Ever no excuse. Yes, take a picture, get their fucking address, and mail them a ticket. Yeah, don't put your hands on people. Aren't imminently going to hurt someone else? There's yeah. just no reason for that. So that's you know. So sorry for going off, but no, that no, no. That's, that's my that's what I want to do on violence. But consensual violence, right? Is fundamentally different. from Non-consensual violence, Yo, beautiful. It's fundamentally different.
0: Sorry, I okay. Terry, who's a, a, a good old friend and longtime good bad brain uh, person, would said this in the chat. And I think because I completely agree with you on this, on this consensual violence thing. But because I want to move because there's another aspect of it that I, I kind of want to talk to you about is like figuring out how moderate. So so Terry said, not glorifying violence. It's liberating fear within the U.S. BIPOC. I hope it's OK to say it like that. Black and indigenous people of color are for, by BIPOC. I don't know. Tell me if I'm not supposed to say BIPOC, um, are forced to use violence as a tool, drugs, crime, quote, all the bad things of America to survive hundred percent. Terry Bradley's, uh, continues while white systemic privilege utilizes violence as a weapon to maintain agency. And that is true. And this is kind of like, this is kind of like also where I'm trying to talk about, cause yes, I completely agree with you obviously about the consensual thing. That's the thing I think we've discussed in here before. When I'm, there's this notion of like, when is violence appropriate? So getting outside of the psychosexual version of it, the version of just like, it's in us, we need a healthy way to put it out there because it's never appropriate in society. But I think the message of it's never appropriate. So
1: I don't think it's true. I again, mean, that's I what think I'm it's saying
0: true. is like, I'm, I'm at this place where violence is dark and poisonous when it's the version of it that is about actual real. I need it. We need it to you know, liberate this fear. We needed to, you know, it feels scary to face someone who really hates you or really, uh, or, or, face the possibility. Even they talk about in this, uh, it's so strange to me that book on killing it's like, was so moving to me and such like, I would say one of the most important books I read in my life, this book on killing, it's a, uh, this guy, Grossman, this, this, uh, Colonel something, Lieutenant Colonel in the army wrote this book about the psychology of killing and how fucking abhorrent it is to us instinctively to do violence against other humans, especially like lethal violence. It's really powerful. They talk about how like almost every war throughout human history, based on the records they can find. And then the real numbers they ran during like world war two, that they found that, uh, there's this thing called like the soldiers like prerogative to miss that like, uh, soldiers who attempted to shoot, to kill the enemy willfully, um, has, uh, Damn, Terry. Damn. Terry just goes, history has made the color of our skin the consent to violence. Damn. Damn. That's crazy. Uh, oof. But anyway, sorry, let me finish this thought. This is going to keep coming up. Was that like, uh, it was like 15 to 20%, like one, like less than one in five of soldiers who are trained to go fight fucking the Nazis, even in World War II, people who were like, these are bad people, whatever. Like you, they wouldn't try to kill the enemy they pretend to shoot so they look like they're doing their job but they just won't do it because it's so abhorrent to us to, to hurt people i thought this was like a beautiful notion to realize they talk about in the book um how awful they call it the wind of hate that if you were close enough to see the enemy and feel like like how awful it felt that someone was trying to kill you that you just felt like, why are they doing this like why it's like you could feel what they call the wind of hate it's just an atrocious Thing. It's such a failure of our common humanity, and it would just, like, scar people. And to me, this is a very beautiful book to realize, wow, that's really wonderful to know, like, most, the majority of people. Turns out that the guy who wrote the book is a fucking total psychopath who, like, thought it was a problem to solve, and he did it. He, like, he – they came up with all these methods of indoctrinating people. He teaches cops, like, these horrible warrior mindset fucking – like, the guy who shot Philando Castile took, like, these bulletproof cop things that would basically teach him to shoot first and ask questions later. It's fucking terrible, like, that you have to be – and and on top of it all, like, the guy who's teaching everybody to, like, prepare yourself to kill. Mentally, you're, you can do it and all, all this horrible shit. Never killed anybody in his fucking life. In line of duty, never, ever. It's like it's always these dead-eye fucking psychopaths who come it, – it's awful. Who tell other people to do it. But 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 on that thing, I was thinking to myself, I was like, so we have this relationship to violence in this country where – Half of – broadly speaking, half of people are like like liberals and stuff who it's just like they only are reinforced the narrative of nonviolent protests through MLK, which now I feel like is like a total fucking propaganda scheme. They don't talk about the of defense and justice and they don't talk about how anti-capitalist he was. It's just like they don't talk about Malcolm X in the same like positive terms they talk about MLK at all because of this like – that any version of violence is bad and inappropriate. The same thing you see now when people see rioting or see like the burning of a police precinct, which is a totally legitimate expression of like of protest and uh, declaration of like, you know, after this hundreds of years of systemic violence, which again, Terry, that's fucking really intense to think. History, yes, has made the color of certain people's skins. They, they consent to violence automatically in the mind of the state.
1: That that well, liberals can't sorry, see it, it,
0: that that's appropriate. That, that that sometimes violence is appropriate as a as a political statement as as just like a the correct motion to say like I deserve to survive and I deserve to thrive. And on the other side of it, why there are so many people who see a cop shoot somebody in the back or shoot somebody in the head who's like fucking handcuffed and not responding or just lean on someone's neck and go that's appropriate. That violence to them is an answer all the fucking time if it comes from authority. So what, how do you find this zone where you have – you create a healthy relationship where people who are compassionate say, no, I'm allowed and, – and people are allowed to use this to save their own goddamn lives and protect themselves and stand up for what is just. And the other side also starts to learn like, hey,
1: that's a fucking awful way to think the world works, that authority is always allowed to yeah. kill you. Well, that, that's the problem. I mean I would say actually I don't think – it's the, the whole point is that it's not consent. And, again consent is an agreement between two equals right equals right. in the sense that they sh- they have an equal access to power okay so state violence and police violence doesn't involve any consent at all we've simply passed laws to justify the use of force and violence against the of people cuz just deem that to be okay and you can trace the historical through line you know Yeah, I mean, that's that's the issue, is that we've actually deprived the opportunity to withdraw consent from black people, from poor indigenous people, from people of color, from queer people, from trans people. We've said you don't get to be involved in the discussion of consent. You're just going to be a victim of state power. And people are so brainwashed they think that that makes it justified. Well, I mean,
0: also of course they're fucking brainwashed. That on Killing book talks about like the way they fucking fix the problem of human compassion is like operant conditioning. They would just change methods of like how they trained them so that when you saw silhouette you shot. And when you think about that, and you're like, um, I mean, I literally said I used to say I was like when I was like a teenager going to do martial arts in the city with people from all these different backgrounds. Prior to that, living in, like these white affluent suburbs, I was like. The most exposure I had to people of color was fucking like cops. You know what I mean? Like you're programmed. And then like until you meet fucking human
1: beings, you know, a lot of people don't. I mean, which they don't. So I'm like, I don't think like saying hi to somebody in the office. I mean, like going over to somebody's house, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I think the point is here that people say glorifying violence. I mean. I've never found a literary or like film example of glory that isn't inherently violent. So I think the idea of like That's interesting. horrifying violence, you know, I think the concept of glory, I mean, this is like from the Iliad, you know, the concept of glory is inherently violent. I mean, it inherently refers to. The, the kind of victory in battle or violence so I don't think you would use the term glory to describe something that's non-violent so the concepts are inherently linked okay and the second piece of that is that oh yeah the second piece of that is that th- this idea of you know violence being inherently glorified particularly in our kind of deo-christian western western centric Civilization and set of values and norms that that does poison people's minds. That 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 has become a pathway to manhood, to strength. Now, and we don't have alternative pathways that are based around scent and nonviolent ways of maintaining social order. We just shouldn't be using. I mean. I think it violates our other values to use violence as mm-hmm. a tool of maintaining of, of maintaining social order in the sense of correcting minor deviations from the social mm-hmm. order, selling cigarettes, Insane. walking across the street, having a broken taillight, which we all know is just an excuse for profiling, right. using violence to correct those minor minor departures from our social order and only for a certain group of people. People are like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. No, it does make sense because we have a culture that glorifies violence at the expense of the freedoms of certain groups. Of certain That's groups. just our history. It's not that it doesn't make sense. Th- those cops are doing what they were trained to oh, do. Thanks. That is the philosophy of that policing. Philosophy. It's not as if it's some aberrant crazy thing. It's, Literally what they were trained to do, culturally inculcated to do. I mean fucking –
0: think about it. I mean Terry – like I mean like – you know, Terry's indigenous and talks about that stuff like all the time. It's very important. It's like literally how we fucking programmed as children, cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians. You know what I mean? Like we're programmed – we're programmed this like hundreds of years of state – that is – that's the thing that keeps like I keep keeps coming back to me about all this stuff: systemic oppression, racism, like uh, crime, quote unquote, which Terry was talking about earlier. Which is again, we talked about this last week. Is like you guarantee capitalism guarantees unemployment, so you guarantee crime. Like that's how the systems work. Realizing that these things are features, not bugs, of the way our world is set up. That it's not like like the liberal idea that like no 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 we're gonna figure it out no that's that's just it, it, we're working it out. Is like. You, such bullshit like these are things that are built into the system that is how the system. even that notion that you're just saying of glorifying violence is so interesting because uh like especially if you look back at like um iliad shit and, uh, and stuff like that is like there the 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 idea of um raw power is to be respected that like it's weird to read old books and texts that like completely there's no like now now uh a lot of um a lot of like Western cinema and stuff like that has made it like – uh like action cinema has, has – they put a veil of justice. Like they need to give you a reason that it's OK for them to go do all this violence that you just get off on. But back in the day, not necessarily. It was just like, no, if somebody could destroy something – Someone if they could like you said impose their will on consent that was like good that was like they they had there was glory in that you know just like the power the raw power was to be respected and and admired i I don't know so I think like getting back the this question that is a pickle to me is like how to create a healthy relationship that you are like okay that's another thing I realized when I started doing martial arts and stuff like that, I'm very lucky that nobody in my family was ever physically abusive. Like ever. So physical violence was – I thought to myself this was like a double-edged sword when I started to do like more like contact – combat sports and stuff. I felt all of a sudden – this is a weird comparison but – well, not really because I always talk about like the sex and violence duality and the the consent and that they're very similar. I I was thinking like when you're a teenager – before you've ever kissed anybody and like it feels so impossible to cross this physical divide. You're like there's like a fucking force – oh my god. And at some point, as you grow up and become more like you've done it, and now you're, now it's like, okay, kissing somebody is in your social lexicon. Like, it, when it's appropriate, and you're like, ah, go for it. You go for it. It doesn't feel like this no man's land that if you try to come out of the trenches, you're all, you just get a machine gun. You know what I mean? Weird metaphor, but you know what I'm saying? And vice versa, I was like, I realized one day with, uh, after doing a lot of combat sports that an anxiety of physical contact had disappeared, where now, violence felt like part of a social lexicon. And I was like, oh, the real – like one of the real awful tragedies and realities of, of putting violence in people's life, of like hitting a kid or something like that, isn't just that you've done them physical violence or assaulting somebody. Isn't just that you've – it's not the, the semi – like the, the short window of the of the pain that you've caused them. It's that you've taught them that's a part of the social lexicon. Is when somebody can't handle their feelings or can't, you know, communicate with an, by another means, now they can do that. And that like they'll carry that forward and do it to other people as well. So I'm like thinking to myself, it makes sense that somebody that you'd have a response one way or the other. That you'd either go like, oh damn, someone victimized me, I'm gonna be powerful now, and I will carry that ability to victimize in the future, and that's actually good and correct. And other people would have this abhorrent response where they say, That was horrible. I never want to do that to anybody. And like, how do you c- cultivate a thing where you're like, basically, how do I get it where like people who hate violence also know they're allowed to do it to protect other people and themselves and people who think violence is really fucking cool, get used to the idea that it's fucking horrible and like, feel afraid of it and afraid of hurting people. <laughs> you know, how do we create yeah. this balance, this appropriate relationship and people? I mean, I think it's really difficult. I mean,
1: look, I- No.
0: Or, 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 sorry, last little thing, little, little anecdote, or, or, how do you fucking understand, get people to understand the consent thing? Even like, I was talking to a friend because I love jujitsu, right? And I've been a big proponent that I think jujitsu makes people better people. There's no way you can do it without it making you a better person. That's fucking wrong because a lot of the people who like are big voices in jujitsu are completely reactionary fascists. And I one friend. Who uh, – because I've been saying a lot and I do think it's true. It's like the banning of chokeholds and stuff. It's like fucking stupid. It's like that has nothing to do with the systemic problems. They've been banned. And frankly, if you were not a racist or terrified or like violent person, a good blood choke is the safe – is a really safe way to put somebody out and just go like, OK, stop. You just don't keep fucking murdering them. That you, Anyway, but but like I would think that that would be correct. My friend was like, that's not correct. What, what like – he does jujitsu too and was saying – you know, told me the story about, like, when he was new white belt and this, like, guy who was a cop he trained with had him in a Kimura and, like, didn't respect his tap as a white belt and was, like, people can not tap in the street, you know? And it's, like, it, it's, like, completely breaking the contract of what makes jiu-jitsu function, you know? And you're, like, okay, so this guy's a fucking psycho. Like, how do you – so I'm, like, clearly I'm wrong, you know, that, like, universally people will do this sport that humbles you and it'll make you – not be such a piece of shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, so where does it come from? Why are some people so fucking cruel? And like Terry said, the system isn't broken. It's working perfectly in the way it was designed. It's true. I don't know. I know this is like an impossible question, but it's like, that's where I'm
1: stuck with, you know? Yeah, look, I mean, I think there have been violent psychos since there have been people, you know? And you're not going to prevent just because it seems like, uh, you know, there is like the nature and nurture process sure. that kind of give rise to that behavior. You know, I, I just don't think it's productive to, some people should do this. And I, I respect and I'm interested in their research agendas, but trying to understand the precise inputs and outputs that lead to psychopathy. Like that's, I'm not that interested in that. What I am interested in is, making sure those people never get into positions of authority. And the problem is that we have systems that reward behavior. We have we have systems that reward narcissism, manipulation. That's why there's a disproportionate number of sociopaths running Fortune 500 companies and in politics, you know, because precisely those traits, narcissism, self-promotion, shallow charm, these are things that help people to get ahead. When we're going to have, if, if we're going to have professions allow people to violate the social contract and put their hands on other people without their consent. We just have to have incredibly rigorous systems in place to prevent psychopaths from getting into those jobs and to right. prevent psychopathic cultures from taking root. And the only way to do that is to have unremitting, unceasing, um, Ah, uh, what is the word? Transparency and inspection of those people at all times. They they just can't be entitled to privacy ever. Yeah, all of their interactions have to be scrutinized. Absolutely. So you know, it's incredibly, it's an incredible privilege, incredible um, placement of trust in people. That most important thing in our social contract is that I'm free. I am free pursue my goals as long as they don't hurt anybody else. I mean, that's the basic assumption, right? That means that you don't ever get to touch me unless I am going to really hurt somebody else. So if we're going to have people enforce that rule, they have to be scrutinized at all times. Mm -hmm. If there's even the smallest violation of the rules around that scrutiny, they need to be immediately gone. There there can be zero room for error. That's, that's the reality. I think the idea um, of what. Uh, we're just not there because yeah. people don't care about violating the right. consent rules around minorities. We just don't care about that. Don't. You know, that's
0: interesting. You know, I, I I keep thinking about this thing this week, and it, that just came back into my head, too. is – You know, the Margaret Atwood thing that she said about, um, uh, you know, that the, the biggest fear a woman has of a man is that he will kill her. And the biggest fear a man has of a woman is that she will laugh at him. Right. I feel that that metaphor carries through to like basically white people, like the, like the, the notion of the Karen, you know, the, the ruling class that will use the arm of violence for anything. They, 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 you know, they see a, 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 a black person birding and, and they don't like that they told them to put their dog on a leash. And so they will threaten their life with the, or, or even, even to me, to me, when she is making that phone call and saying what she's saying into the phone, that is the same as flashing a gun at somebody. She is, she is like brandishing a fucking gun at somebody. And it's almost more, it is, it's worse than brandishing a gun at somebody because not only are you implicitly, uh, not only are you threatening someone's life and saying, I could kill you, but you're saying, like, I don't even need, to, I could get one of my servants to kill you. That my servants that I have set up in fucking society to do what that's, and this idea that there's like, I'm, it makes me very upset. I'm getting very emotional. That, like, the idea that we're living in this world where we have created a structure where um, one type of person is, I don't know, just has ensured this iniquity and this, like, willfulness that if I can't get a fucking haircut, I'm allowed to come threaten to murder cops. And they go, good point, sir, good point. And that, like, if we are actually murdering a kind of person, that those people, when they burn down a target, were like, oh, these fucking... <laughs> you
1: know it's it's scary and sucks to live in that world it's in it's it's, it's a white people's pride and comfort is more important than the lives of black people mm -hmm. and people of color that that's what it is yeah and
0: i think that's what i was
1: how do you get people to
0: differentiate what actual because you were saying this word freedom right like that's the thing i thought about a lot like this epiphany that socialist thought is actually about freedom like this idea that it's been seized you're like you're guaranteeing you're trying to create the freedom for people to express themselves however they want and have their actual lives and not be like under the thumb of like fucking bills to like decide what kind of human or dignity they're going to be you know like like real freedom how do you get people to like when i think when you know cops have their authority threatened they think their life is being threatened you know, when they are threatened with discomfort or just or, or threatened with the idea of saying like, hey, just ignore other people living their own life, doing what they want to do. That's not violence against you. You know, you having a boundary, you having a like, I don't like people that are loud or different than me. <laughs> you know, like that's not violence against you. I don't think white people understand that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like as a culture, as like the capital white people,
1: you know what I'm saying? Yes, which is why, you know, banning chokehold is not the issue. It needs to be banning any physical contact at all for any reason other than imminent threat of death. Yeah, that's fucking true. That's really true. That's actually that, good. That's, that's the only reason people should put their hands on other people ever. From a, from a you know, legal perspective.
0: Yeah. I, but do you know what I'm saying? Like that question of like, how does that happen? That some people get the idea that a little bit of inconvenience and in their life is the same as being
1: taught, attacked. They've been, they've been taught that through centuries of systemic racism. <laughs> that have yeah. been taught that message and it's been reinforced for them because it's been true. I mean that's it's true in our culture. That's why people think that. They're right, our <laughs> culture.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. They're right. <laughs>
1: To your point about like how much time to spend on this, I think it makes sense that people spend a lot of time like preparing for violence and accumulating the accoutrement of violence, you know, because it's such a like existential problem. Like it's it's just, it's like the only on off switch in life. Right. I mean, if you fuck up that preparation, then that's it. Other preparation you can kind of skate by. So I think that's why it makes sense that people devote so much cognitive resource to it. The other piece is that, you know, it's more fun and a little bit easier than doing the other stuff, which actually That's comprises correct. the bulk of our everyday lives and interactions. It's probably more important for us to spend time thinking about, okay, oh, I have like hard conversations with people in my life? Do I like yes. my work mode and alternative agenda? You know, how do I, uh, you know get skilled rhetorically so that I can have conversations with people with other views that just don't evolve into screaming matches. Like how do we do all that stuff that really shifts culture? How do I, you know, how do I do like the hard work of anti racism myself? You know what yeah. I mean? Um how do you like lots of strategies that are I think um effective more effective than like buying pallets of demo, you know, but yeah. not as fun. Buying pallets of ammo. Yeah, you know, but that, you yeah, know I think that, is, that's that really, is the
0: hard thing. That is hard. It is hard to know like the not the not screaming match one is tough. How do I just not scream at people? How do you get people to not see it? <sighs> and yeah,
1: well, it's hard. I mean, there's some evidence to suggest that certain that like a conservative political ideology, people who are very embrace their identity as conservatives that they score higher on cognitive rigidity measures so i think it is actually just more difficult for them to integrate new information now, that's true about extreme liberals too i mean anybody with an extreme ideology is be more rigid on the like um, cognitive rigid rigidity measures was particularly true for people who identify as conservatives you know i mean yeah but you know it's challenging um
0: I think uh I think I think it's important maybe on some level too to like engage like to examine yourself if the notion of nonviolence um is something you believe in truly because you don't like the idea that you think it's a failure of communication and you feel like there's nothing more abhorrent than humans hurting each other or if it's just because you're afraid of violent people do you know what I mean because I think with at least in my experience with like liberals and
1: stuff i think a lot of it's more rooted in like don't hurt i'm sorry you know like fear, fear of victimization is not a coherent argument against against violence
0: I mean, and a fear, people victimization... who have a fear of victimization to empower themselves terry said the phrase liberation from fear and i and i agree with that i w- i wish for that for my friends who are good hearted people and and people out there who deserve justice and stuff to deserve it to like gird their spirit with that. But then I want fascists to fucking learn that other people feel pain
1: and not like joy and fucking quality. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the issue is like, I forget who wrote this, but, you know, people always kind of caricature the argument that's traditionally been the right wing argument for owning guns, which is like, well, the government has drones and bombs, you know, uh, the idea isn't that yeah. The right wing argument is not that they're going to literally you know, have a ground war with the U.S. government. It's right. that people are less likely right. to result to violence as a first resort if they know you are armed and prepared to resist. That's it. That's the argument. It's that's a deterrence argument. argument.
0: It's a, it's, it's so like a, think, that's what I was saying now. Personally, I think it's a political statement is like you're, you know, to have it is just to have like a rifle or whatever just that you're not it's never gonna shoot you never it's it's and i honestly think that's a thing people don't want to look at but i def i kind of think the psychopaths protesting for two things one the psychopaths protesting for haircuts with rifles all over them obviously are part of the system to uh be protected by that they're being protected by it that the, that the, that the cops there who are like yes sir i, I agree sir Are like on their side. So there's that. But I also Uh, think. I I also think. So funny to. Yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, I mean, those people are in far more danger of dying from heart disease and diabetes than they are from Antifa. But like.
0: Antifa, hilarious. The other side of it, though, is part of me thinks like if protests were what they are now. I don't want to even say this, but I, th- th- I was going to say just nonviolent, peaceful expressions of this stuff. And they just happen to have like deacons for defense and justice. So they just had groups of people around who are also armed as a political statement, not to have shooting matches with the cops. Obviously, that would be a incredible, atrocious, 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 atrocious failure. It'd be, it'd be an atrocity. I mean, it'd be horrible. Nobody wants that. And I think it's a political and I think, I really think. If it was like not just like a lone gunman psycho. That's the other thing is, you know, somebody was um, I think it was a boogaloo guy. So those guys fucking suck. And it's like whatever. But one of those guys was like alone, open carrying or something like that. And he got killed. Like it can't be like one person showing up a march like that. It has to be something organized and disciplined with a group of people as an expression. And then it's a political thing that says like this, that oppression of uh, systemically will have a cost. Like coming in and trying to do this will have a cost. And it changes the calculations in someone's. It honestly is the same as in the microcosm of um, of uh, interpersonal violence. I, my first martial arts instructor said to me, said, "Like a lot of the lessons of like rhetoric, lessons and philosophy lessons of my first kung fu teacher, I feel like have really been true and stood stood through." And he you know, he's a scary guy. He had like really scary presence. I feel like yeah, I've never met somebody who had like such good like snake eyes, like such such like dead eyed like. When he turned it on, you're like, you're the scariest person I've ever seen. You know, sometimes a little bit of a bully, but like good lesson, you know, that he, one thing he said is like, people don't like to fight people. They like to beat the shit out of people. And if they feel like they're going to get a fight out of you, they're a lot less likely to instigate that violence. And there's different ways they can get that message. Usually I think it's not because you are puffing your chest up back. That's a sign of fear. And that's a sign of like two people accelerating each other and two fearful creatures getting themselves into a frenzy so that they can scuffle and not hurt each other for a few seconds and people can pull them back. Or if one of them does, you know, do real violence because they're scared and and hurts them really bad versus if you are just not rising to it, but it doesn't bother you. You're like, if that's a choice you want to make that you want to fight. Okay. (laughs) But you know, if you don't seem that it's just something in your lexicon that, 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 that like kind of turns off, Here's another thing I got from On Killing that was very profound and important for people to understand who abhor violence is one thing they talk about in the book is that when soldiers were more likely to shoot the enemy was almost always when they were retreating, that they had a lot easier time. Humans had a lot easier time shooting people in the back and that there's something in people where like we think that if we are small and pathetic and go, please, no, blah, blah. That will make people see you as pathetic and go, oh, my God, and see themselves and go, I'm going to stop being horrible. Unfortunately, it is true that on some horrible reptile level, that same thing with dogs. When dogs are scary and, like, if you run away from them, they'll chase you. There is something in predatory people. I mean, this is Jared. I'm not the psychologist here. Nick is a psychologist. So none of this is like – but this is just the thing I've encountered and was in this book. Is like if you act pathetic and weak, predators – pursue it harder it empowers them to be more cruel and they continue being cruel and I think there's some weird like deep survival instinct about it too that's like a weird like herd kind of thing that's like this is a weak one we have to kill this one this one's like pathetic we need to kill it it's not gonna be tough or something like that and they just they pour it on and they're more cruel. Versus if you are not afraid and if you are like, no, you can fight me, but you're going to get fucking hurt. You're going to, it's going to be bad for you. And it doesn't bother me if that's what you want to do is, um, set something off. That's like the predator goes, they're not responding how they're supposed to. They're not cowering. They're not like trying to get out of it. So there's something deflating and confusing. And I kind of think that there's something true about that on like a political scale as well.
1: I mean, well, on easy targets. Nobody if you have a choice between an easy target and a hard target, no one's going to choose the hard target.
0: Yeah. I just no, want people I mean, who
1: are like I just want people
0: to know that they're beautiful and perfect and they should be brave <laughs> and I don't you know, deserve. you deserve. I'm fucking mad, dude. I hate this fucking situation.
1: I think it is hard to change it's it's hard, you know. It's very hard to change culture. Very very hard. I think I actually you know and of course the kind of like conservative shrieking is like oh my god they're canceling cops and took away Elmer Fudd's gun which I do think is a little dumb but <laughs> canceling cops I think it good. Is, it's, like, little, it's We don't need to see any more we don't need to see any more like cop shows where the good cop crosses the line to get the bad Definitely guy like we just don't need that. that narrative anymore. We don't need that narrative anymore. We need other narratives and we just shouldn't be paying for that kind of entertainment it's i mean just look at just look at the fucking when faced
0: with all of the choices from pop culture symbology to choose who's gonna represent is it superman is it the person from a, an alien from another planet Who has all the power in the world to do whatever the fuck he wants. Nothing will ever hurt him. And what he chooses to do is to protect people different from him. Do they choose the Superman symbol? (laughs) Or do they pick the unhinged fucking war veteran whose whole family died. Who thinks the only answer to anybody who disobeys authority is a bullet. They want the skull, baby. They want that fucking punisher. That's who they think they are.
1: You know? It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think again, that's why these kind of like gestures at reform are just not going to be effective. We need to proceed from the assumption, in my view, that you can't touch anyone unless they're going to kill somebody.
0: I think that's a very and, good rule.
1: And and if you mess up, if you shoot them because you think their cell phone was phone, that's it. You're done. It's a one time. Your judgment can't be trusted. If you make a so if you make a mistake, if you make an error, sorry, that's it. Just like in another job that with much lower stakes consequences, like, oh, I think this can be a good stock trade. Oops, I lost five hundred million dollars. Well, you're fired, buddy. I mean, you know. Well, that might not be a
0: great example, but
1: (laughs) pack your shit, you know. I mean, mean? those
0: people also like get to fucking destroy the American economy and just keep doing it. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, they get hired at another department too. But but that's the point. It's like, you know, if you, if you make the wrong call, you're done. It's one and done. That's it. And every decision has to be subject to public scrutiny. And if that sounds really hard and not fun, I get it. And it's not the job for you.
0: It's not the job for you. you
1: just don't need people out there putting their hands on people because they're like coming drunk or like rude or like playing their music too loud or right. whatever.
0: Whatever the fuck you don't like. People
1: uncomfortable.
0: Learn what a boundary actually is. Respect that other people exist. I'm fucking real. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I don't think we got any like resolutions here today or anything. Obviously, I don't think they're ever. I don't know that that'll ever happen. <laughs> but um, thanks for letting us. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Terry, especially. Thank you for your contributions. Those were very good. Very helpful. Always. I, um, I love you guys. That's I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about things. I guess i just stay like, I'm really into this idea of a warrior in a garden thing, like better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Just be sure that you don't become obsessed with the warrior part and don't become too, and, and keep doing your regular yeah. life. <laughs> my girlfriend was like, well, a warrior, you're doing all this Warrior new- in garden still yeah. needs to like plant the vegetables. Exactly. You know what I mean? Or, or maybe like fold the laundry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like while I'm like, you know, Googling, I'm like all well, my prepping and stuff like that. I'm like, there's a lot of other, she's like, I appreciate it. She, she, this is what she said to me yesterday, which was actually really good. She was like, I love you, but she was like, I think we're spending two to four hours a day talking about like these things and it's good. I'm glad we're like thinking about whatever. She's like, I feel like you are like constantly talking to me about this lifeboat you're putting together. You gotta put this lifeboat together. And, um, and meanwhile, I'm like, I I still have to drive the cruise ship. Like I still have to drive the big ship right now. I thank you. It's good. It's not but there's still the ship to drive. And I was like, "Yes. That is a good. You are smart and good. Thank you." <laughs> um thank Terry, that's good. Rest is resistance. You're right. You're right. We should we all have to That's I just think this is just I love I have been exposed to so many wonderful people because of the internet. The whole thing, the internet is like this cesspool. It is. It's full of horrible idiots, but I've also met so many like wonderful people from all different walks of life who feel like the system leaves them out. Whether it's because, uh, obviously you're BIPOC or something like that, but like, or just, you know, maybe you're poor or maybe you are neuroatypical or like there's just something about you, a uh, queer stuff, obviously. Like, I've been all these people who like the system leaves them out and they're just good people. They're like wonderful people. And I just want those people to be safe. And I want to like do everything we can to move towards a future where that, that is that flourishes. And, that, and I honestly think we'll get there as a species. I think we'll fucking get there. We will. But I don't know how many more bumps it's going to go through. And I think it's just it's just tough. I was I was listening to some stuff about World War II stuff. And one thing they talked about about like the insidious nature of fascism is that like in conflict, in war, uh, that civil rights often go first. You know, they like that, that civil rights don't survive conflict very well. And even if you watch that uh, los Sandinistas, this like wonderful documentary about them, they talk about like how basically they built a paradise. They had this like workers revolution and it was amazing. And then, uh, you know, the Contras get funded and like all this atrocities start happening. And in within the power structures, like, things started to change. Women's, like, rights started to go away and stuff. And that, like, civil rights start to disappear under these horrible things. And that there's this insidious nature of, like, fascism on some level can be, in fighting fascism, it wins automatically because you have to take on qualities of fascism to fight it back, to defeat it. Because they glorify violence and they glorify hierarchy and they glorify obeisance and, and they, they that's things they believe in. And to stop that, sometimes you need to stop it as well, you know? And uh, and so I just think maybe that's part of it is there's – in good-hearted people, there's a fear of becoming that horror that like if you – Use the thing that was used to victimize you, like violence or, or something like that to stand up for yourself. Then, and that's what they do. That is the narrative. That is what they're trying to do right now. They say, like, look at these violent people burning down fucking buildings, these looters. You know, they're trying to do it. They project their insane cruelty and violence onto the world and use it as an excuse to do it more. I just think, like, don't get tricked by that. And know that you and other people who are good people like deserve to be well and protected. And I think we'll get to a place it's just it's just that thing of the again, warrior in a garden. It's like how can we do the things that are abhorrent to us to protect people who need those protections and to stand up for them and to be and ourselves and be prepared for that? So you're not just steamrolled by this cruel, horrible system. And how do you have those conversations with other people who start to go who say that, who are like these looters, or whatever? My dad is a wonderful person, honestly. Like I think he's a really good guy, very liberal, but like lit like live a little bit. You know, he's like in that sort of mindset. But like he's friends with like all different kinds of people living on the south side of Chicago. Like those are his friends. He's he's not racist at all, but uh race, he's not racist at all, but this isn't even about race. This is a class, this is like a socialism thing. He's getting the same news about the Chaz, right? The autonomous zone in the Capitol Hill autonomous zone. And it's kind of like, it's crazy out there, huh? And I'm like, it's not, you know? I'm like, I don't know what the news is saying, but it's not. And it's like, people start to build these narratives where they try to say like Antifa and like, ooh, you know, I think liberals sometimes be complicit in it because you start to go like, anything that's disobedient to the state, anything that's not strict pacifism is bad. And I think it needs to be recognized that that is part of the control mechanism of a violent yeah. state is to convince you yeah. that anything, it's a Catholic, you know? Well, it's
1: shift. It's just shifting the narrative. Like right. America doesn't have a, a historical Chaz problem. It has a historical institutional racist violence problem. Boom, that's fucking good. Boom, that's so good. That's a good answer. It doesn't have a historical looting problem or a historical Antifa problem. Yes, it has a historical so racist system of violence and oppression problem. Boom. That's the problem.
0: Doctor Nick, that's a good response. That's fucking so good. That's the way to. Because I was trying to like, even my brother, is like, not I know. He's like, I just think they're fucking up. He's like, they're doing this Burning Man thing, and it's like, it's so beside the point. It's just going to be used as an excuse to like, da, da, da. and I was like, struggling to be like, they're not. It's an act of protest. It's a correct, you know. But saying that's a good way to put it is like, it is an. Act, these are all acts of protest. There are not systemic problems of this. This is a statement that says what you think is systemically okay when you don't see precincts and targets burning down and you don't see people occupying, a, like, government part of the – and saying, hey, pay attention. That When you don't see that shit, that doesn't mean there's not fucking violence every fucking day
1: being done to people to keep you from seeing that shit. It's just totally irrelevant. I mean, totally irrelevant. Se- Seattle has better outcomes than, like – other than their horrible homeless problem, which is, like – non-trivial and terrible and it's you know, non yes uh, seattle tax base supports like you know state of mississippi so, and their health outcomes are 10 times better so yeah i i'm not a huge fan of chaz i just don't think it matters like good for them go ahead you yeah. know fine but it's not it's not the issue and people on the right want to make it the issue but that's not the issue
0: yeah, it's not, it's not. When people are like, when people are like, uh, oh, see how, it's like the same thing when people say like, oh, you're socialist? Capitalism built that iPhone. You're tweeting about it. Why don't you go to a fucking island and start over from scratch with like sticks and stones and do a society like that? It's like, that's not the fucking, are you out of your mind? We're saying that workers already own the means of production. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's not that society, the notion that, mm, Do you know what I'm saying? It's disingenuous to say like, oh, Chaz is running out of water and power. Let's see how well their little fucking autonomous state does when we cut off the water and power. It's like, you fucking idiot. Don't be so – you know what I mean? Uh, See, this is my problem. I just scream at people. That's where I'm come to.
1: Yeah.
0: You are smarter than me and that is a really good – that is a really fucking – that is the right way to do it. That I think that's a really wonderful – if you could calmly say, well, there's not a systemic – looting problem in this country there's a systemic killing people who are minorities problem with state violence and and furthermore when they say like they kill white people too it's like also including the stats of like obviously it's so disproportionately not white people you should also be like oh. doesn't that upset you <laughs> why is your, why you're, you're, are you saying like we're we don't care when they fucking do it to some of the people that look like us <laughs> why do they care besides getting into oh, it's my. like just go like Why doesn't that fucking make you mad that somebody can just do that? Violence is not a thing that the state should be allowed to do to you fucking ever.
1: Oh, the problem is that when you give people enough room, the narrative that they come to is because they're racist, come to the narrative that, well, they should stop committing so many crimes. That's what you hear from people. And the answer to that is that research shows clearly that white and black people Commit crimes at the same rates. They use the same rates of drugs. You have the same rates 100%. of all kinds of other crimes. The same rates, and it's just that one group of people is disproportionately policed, arrested, forced to accept plea bargains, and then imprisoned. Yes, that that's the difference. You know, white people smoke just as much weed. They do just as much coke. They do just oh, as yeah. much meth. They beat their wives just as much. It's all the. the it's human behavior. It's pretty much the same rates. It's just one group people is mercilessly police. So, you know, that's yes. the answer.
0: Okay, that was good. Maybe maybe, maybe that can be a theme of an upcoming episode is just like,
1: because
0: that's something I see a lot. And I think it's true, how hard it is to have these conversations. And maybe we'll like talk
1: more about some of that is like. Yeah, we can. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, it's good to open with the question. Are you somebody who's able to change their view based on evidence? If you get something other than a yes, I don't think it's worth it. That's
0: a good point because then I guess the subsequent follow up would be like, what would count as evidence to you? (laughs) Like, what would what would make you? What What are you not going to go like fake news? I think this thing that OAN or whatever fucking is true. You know, Uh, that's the problem. All right, yeah, it's we are living in nineteen eighty four. It's like don't believe the evidence of your eyes and ears. You know, war is peace. Okay, well, love you guys. Love you, Dr. Nick. Thank you so much. That was really good. I'm just I'm glad we stuck around a little longer than usual. That last thing you said uh about we don't have a chad's problem, we don't have a riding problem in this country, we have a police violence problem is like fucking primo. Shit. I love that. Um, all right. Uh thank you guys so much for being here. Um, you know, you can support the pod at mygoodbadbrain.com good Get shirts and shit. You can also get uh go to Patreon if you want to give support to enterprises um patreon.com slash my good bad brain but you can also just be donating that money to a a million different black lives matter causes that are out there or like the okra project or just like you know there's a lot of things there's a lot of things you'd be giving money to so do that okay um that's it that's it take care of yourself self-care and hydrate be well terry said here yes rest is resistance as well please take care of yourselves and just get fucking strong get ready stand up for yourself
1: protect your communities i love you okay bye all right we'll stop now (laughs) Goodbye.
0: all right thanks for joining us guys uh, my good bad brain is a production of mind jam media that's my little media company thanks to uh coda for making this theme song with me and uh that's it my patreon.com slash my good you're the best have a good one self-care hydrate be well <laughs> bye-bye